Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Social Room Podcast. This is the first filmed Social Room Podcast, so you get to see my face. Um, For those of you new here, the Social Room Podcast is kind of like a weekly update on the goings-on and kind of like the tech, social media, uh, gaming industries, business, just pretty much anything related to the online space, tech, that's all you really need to know. Uh, I'm your host, Alec Ruman, and today I have a lot of stuff to go through, so I'm going to get started on what excites me most, which is the Starfield presentation. Right now is Gamescom. It's currently happening in Germany, and Xbox came in swinging with an absolutely insane presentation at Gamescom. Uh, Their main chief presentation, Starfield, which, uh, according to a user on Reddit, it was kind of like the first 40 minutes of the game shown off and he seemed really impressed and the people who were there seemed really impressed but obviously they're not able to record it not able to leak it and nobody gets to see what they're talking about however that didn't stop someone from leaking the first 40 minutes of the game on their own a guy named tyrone filmed the first 40 minutes of the game on his iphone and posted it to snapchat and youtube unfortunately for everyone involved He recorded it vertically, and it was almost like, um, (laughs) it was almost like those videos, it's like the Call of Duty quickscoping videos or just like highlights, where the kids would pull out their phone and record the TV, but even then, those would be like landscape, so, and what makes it even worse is that not only was Tyrone recording it with his phone vertically, but... It was almost like he didn't know how to use a controller. Um, For those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But whenever, like, IGN releases uh, gameplay of an upcoming game, and they have someone behind, you know, the screen playing it, it always seems like they don't know what the right stick is, the, the, the camera direction for first-person games. So they just walk without ever moving the camera forward, left, right, like, whatever. So it, it was like he was playing it with one hand. I mean, I, I guess he would have had to hold up his phone somehow. But still, it, you... Starfield has kept pr- their leaks pretty pretty good. It, every, everything in the game has been under lock and key. I just think it's funny that, like, uh, the first thing that leaks out of this highly, highly anticipated game is someone literally recording it vertically on their smartphone... And it is some of the worst footage I've ever seen in my life. Um, I watched some of it. I'm not going to spoil any of the details for those of you who are interested, wanted to stay dark on social media, spoiler free. But uh, it does look pretty cool. Um, at Gamescom, back on Gamescom, they released like the live action trailer for the game. Uh, reminds me a lot of the Halo 3 release trailer where it was the two kids and they're laying down in the grass and they're like, oh, I wonder what it's like out there. And it's Master Chief just like kicking ass and he's dropping the bubble shield. It's kind of like that. And I don't know. You'd have to see it for yourself. Uh, Maybe I'll put it up on the screen just a few minutes just so you guys can see or just a few seconds. But um, (laughs) uh, other than that, there's some drama over the menu screen. An ex-Blizzard employee and developer mentioned that the... uh, Starfield menu screens kind of sparse and is probably indicative of the game being, you know, sparse and under underdone and half baked. I don't know how I feel about that because ev- 
every other Bethesda game has kind of had a bare bones menu screen. And like while we're talking like menu screens, I don't know, maybe this is Cope, but like they don't really you don't spend that much time. Like, of course, it's like the first thing you see when you boot up a game. But like, I'm not going to be like, oh, this game sucks because the menu screen has a planet and continue new games load game and settings and credits like it's just that so i i don't know man kind of kind of stupid but i'm just trying my best personally to temper my expectations because i really 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 like bethesda games i have probably over a thousand hours over all platforms on skyrim uh Obviously, it was an Obsidian game, but New Vegas I have a lot of time in. Fallout 4, uh, Oblivion, and Morrowind as well. I go back even then. I, I haven't touched Daggerfall or Arena or the original two Fallout games or Tactics, but um, I just haven't been entirely that interested in all of them, to be completely honest with you. But um, either way, it's... It's an event. It's something that I've kind of had my hopes up for, but obviously I released an entire podcast episode about it a couple of weeks ago. But um, consistently games are delivered half-baked because whether it be uh, incentivized by consumers because they want games immediately in their hands, games are rushed, or if it's pushed down from the board and uh, senior management at the company, or they have a agenda to release a game half done and then monetize the rest of it as either battle pass content, paid DLC expansions, uh, whatever it is. It's just, you end up having these games that are almost consistently kind of terrible or like aggressively average. And it can be hard as a consumer to be consistently burnt by all of these companies over and over and over again to have any kind of real hope for a game coming out finished, good, bug-free. Um, so we'll just have to see. I mean, there's always a chance that Starfield could be garbage, but um, that's that's just always going to be in my mind. I'm not blindly anticipating it. Um, and we'll see where it takes us from here. Anyways, that's it about Starfield. Uh, I wanted to move into a more business-oriented aspect of this podcast, which I find extremely interesting. For those of you who are unaware, I am a digital marketer. I run social media ads for different businesses. Um, and this is something that impacts me kind of heavily. And for those of you who may be tuning in who are either interested in the aspect of SEO or digital advertising as a whole or for those of you who may already be managing clients or your own ads in the first place, this is something that you absolutely need to know. So, um, twice yearly, perhaps, uh, Google releases a broad core update that brings pretty huge updates to the Google search engine. And uh, this month was no exception. They're bringing out something called the helpful content system. So you might be asking, what is that? So the helpful content system figures out what is actually valuable content to a real user and promotes that in the search engine results pages 
and determines what is not helpful to the consumer, whether that be keyword stuffing or really technically refined SEO. And they'll bring that down. So uh, as I just said, keyword stuffing, uh, super, super precise SEO uh, copy no longer is going to drive results like it used to, uh, especially keyword stuffing. I mean, obviously SEO kind of like copy well written by a professional is still decently going to convert, but it's not as important as it would be uh, not even a month ago. So for websites that are kind of being held up by these practices, whether they be brand affiliate product review pages, where it's just so stuffed with keywords and they're just marketing products on Amazon, uh, recipe and cooking websites. I know you know what I'm talking about, but have you, like going on to search up how to make a meatloaf and it's the entire works of Shakespeare right before the actual recipe, that's intentional because they want their recipe and their website to pop up at the top of the results pages. So now that's going to be de-incentivized uh, de for these people. And hopefully, if you're trying to figure out how to make roast beef, you're not going to encounter uh, <laughs> an absolute ocean of words every single time. And you're only going to find the things that are actually quality. So here's a quote from the content update page from Google themselves. So, quote, the system automatically identifies content that seems to have little value, low added value, or is otherwise not particularly helpful to people. Any content on websites determined to have high amounts of unhelpful content is less likely to perform well in search. So that second one is extremely important. So let's say you are a business that sells uh, outdoor gardening equipment, shovels, fertilizer, plant bulbs, gloves, and you have a really good online storefront. But the copy on your website's description and product descriptions are obviously formulated to get your website onto the top of the results pages. You also have a blog that you update bi-weekly and you do the same thing. You kind of stuff it with keywords to make sure that it's relevant, fresh, updated, and the Google search crawlers are going to rank your website higher. So even though your online storefront is absolutely fantastic, your website runs great, it's mobile optimized, if you have two things on your website that are kind of anti-consumer and definitely geared more towards the automated uh, search crawlers who are going to rank you higher on Google searches, you're going to receive less traffic because your content is going to be deemed unhelpful or at least more unhelpful than it would be if you were not practicing these things. And for those of you who are running ads on your websites, this is going to affect that too because obviously your Google ad rank is going to be lower considering that the website experience is not user-friendly using these terms that are provided by the helpful content update. So they released 15 questions and I'm going to go through them shortly. So obviously you don't have to hit all of these to be successful on Google, but try to get as many of them as you can. So the first one, 
Do real people write your content for real people? If the answer is yes, it'll be fine. If you're contracting ChatGPT to write your copy for your website, probably not. Because it's going to tell if it's robotic or not. I mean, it's, at least to me personally, I know the tells of when someone's using AI to kind of pad out what they're doing. I'm sure Google, with the amount of search queries that it has, can understand that <laughs> what is on a certain website is not legitimately written by a human being. Uh, secondly, have you spent time and effort adding information to your content consistently? So making sure that your content is updated and having that backlog of stuff you've been doing. So having history of posting quality content is important, but if you've been kind of doing filler or if you've been not frequently posting to your website or updating, gonna be brought down uh this one number three is more towards like blogs um are you touching the surface level of the topic or going in depth so obviously this is not not to promote websites blogs businesses that have a wide array of topics to promote them in the search rankings so like let's say i did the social room but I also wanted to cover cars on my website and motorcycles. And I also wanted to cover jogging. Like, I go in-depth on tech. But if I also have these topics of jogging and cars that are kind of surface level just to boost my ranking on Google, that's going to put me down. Even if the Social Room podcast and the stuff that I'm doing is really good. Uh, number four. What is it that you have in your content that makes it better when compared to the competitors? This is something for you to think of to make sure that this isn't quite, this is more subjective. This is something that Google's asking to you to think about in order to optimize your website to be more user-friendly. I don't think the Google search crawlers are going to really figure out what's the difference between you and your competitor. You are and consumers are which is why that's something to think about when you're creating content to be more user-friendly. Uh, number five, have you over-optimized the title, description, and content to attract bots and not real users? Makes sense. If you are plugging in keywords, if you're making things too obvious, if you're adding in so much fluff content like you're writing a paper for your sophomore year English class, Google's going to know. Google's going to put you down because that's not user-friendly. Nobody wants to read a billion things when they're just trying to find an answer. That's why writers are primarily told um, kill your darlings in regards to their favorite sentences in order to not make them overly wordy and still make them readable to the people who are reading their book. Same goes for website copy. It's the same thing. Um, number six. Are you using a clickbait strategy to get the attention of users? Do you have, <laughs> um, you know, I don't really see much clickbait anymore aside from like YouTube videos where it's like people <laughs> photoshopping fake Twitter quotes. I did this. I'm, I'm guilty, <laughs> but like, it's, it's not as bad as like big red circle, big arrow guy in the corner going, no way. Like, uh. <laughs> it doesn't happen as much. However, if you're using it in the headline of your website or 
any descriptions or intentionally putting something that's unrelated to your content or provocative when it's not entirely related, boom, here it is. Uh, number seven, does your content have the potential to get natural references? Uh, this is backlinks or uh, links on related websites uh, or many related websites. Pretty self-explanatory. Can people get to your website just not through the Google Search Console? Is your website popular? Is it being linked? Is it being talked about? This is something to, uh, this is about that. Number eight, is the content written by someone who has extensive experience in the field? Is the content real? Is it informative? Can you tell that the person who has written it knows what they're talking about and it's not ChatGPT? Again, same thing. Um, <laughs> number nine, do you focus on a niche or write about anything over under the sun? I said kind of the same thing uh, earlier about touching the surface level of the topic or going in depth. Uh, covering just one thing on your website that's just about one thing is kind of important. It provides a niche. It provides a um, a reason for people to go to your website. If you're supplying a product, it uh, allows for a use case. Um, you know, it, it just pick pick what you're good at, and that's going to help you. Next, number ten, is your content going against generally scientifically proven facts? You can think about what they're talking about. And I'm not going to go any further into it. Number, <laughs> number 11. Will people lose money or life after trying the recommendations within your content? Crypto investing. Crypto gambling. Anything promoting self-harm. Obviously, this has got to be in there. Um... <laughs> Number 12, does your content follow grammatical best practices? This is important when writing copy anyway. I would hope that you're not publishing your website to Google or to the web in general while having really poorly written sentences, punctuation errors, capitalization errors, stuff like that. Obviously, this is going to factor into the quality of your website in Google's eyes, it it should into everyone who's using your website. If they see a typo, things something's going wrong. Um, is it syndicated content? So syndicated content is like summaries, views, uh, reposts of already created content from websites. So this would kind of be like, as I mentioned earlier, like a blog or maybe something that covers something else. So, like, as I mentioned earlier, like, let's say I wanted to go on, like, fictional website. Don't know if this exists. Starfieldnewsdirect.com that covers everything that people have been posting on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, uh, from Gamescom, and it's just about Starfield and all the other stuff that people have created content-wise, and they're just reposting that and providing a summary or commentary on it. That's syndicated content. So... If it is syndicated content, I would assume the reason that they're asking this is that it's going to go further down in the SERPs. Um, number 14, does the content accompany intrusive interstitial elements that cause hindrance to the user experience? So are there giant banner ads that are getting in the way of you clicking a link? Or does a giant pop-up come up asking for you to sign up to their newsletter before you read something? 
I'm looking at you, Wall Street Journal. Um, stuff like that. And then number 15, no-brainer, um, how good is the mobile experience of your content? This is already factored in into every kind of quality that Google looks in whenever it's, it's putting you on the ser uh, the serves. So like, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a factor on the helpful content system as well. Now that you have all those questions out of the way, remember that it's not required at all for you to hit every single one of these. It may not be applicable for your business or website to hit all of them in general, but keep in mind that these are guidelines and they are helping. And at the very least, if you need to boil it down to anything, make sure that you're tailoring your content towards your consumer and not just Google, because that's that's really what's going to help your business. Not even make conversions, but just maintain credibility, authority, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, and then compounding onto this change on Google search, they now show follower counts and posts on uh, the SERPs. I know I've been throwing that term around, but SERPs is search engine result pages. So basically you type in anything, what comes up, all the results, that, that's the SERPs. Uh, anyways, so Google search now most likely relates social media authority and quality of the content on someone's social media page to the content on a person's website. So they're going to be equal. Um, that means it's just as important to have a website that is informative, quality, have a good user experience as it is on social media and browsing your profile. So uh, doing this, Google sends double EAT signals. I know I'm throwing a lot of keywords at you, but uh, double EAT, experience, uh, expertise, authoritativeness, trustworthiness. Uh, they're going to do that on both social media and website or websites, uh, making both appearances in the SERPs of higher quality, assuming, of course, that the content is of higher quality. Uh, so that means that social media is more important than it was before even a month ago. SEO is powerful, and SEO was the name of the game 10 years ago, maybe, but the use of social media for your business is becoming most important, especially for people who are growing. This is what I say to just about everyone uh, I meet about the subject. They bring up SEO, I say this, don't spend money unnecessarily on website SEO when you could direct your efforts towards social media because social media is more important, in my opinion, drives more engagements, more conversions. You have an active audience and you can communicate with your customer base. So don't throw money at SEO when you could direct your efforts towards social media, growing with your page, your authority, your following, consumer engagement and brand loyalty and while you're doing all of this now you're boosting seo by just posting consistently quality updates to your customers and your followers on social media simple as that and when you supercharge this with advertising these quality posts on social media say you boost a post that does really well and that you feel is quality or you throw it into a campaign and 
market it towards the people who have liked your page or a lookalike audience. You're not only providing relevant information to someone who may purchase a product or sign up for a service from you, but you're keeping it informative and you're giving them high quality content, which is what this entire update from Google is about, is providing high quality content to people on the search engine so that it's better, hands down. So now, once you boost all of that, I don't know. Having having that strong social media presence is is really paramount in today's age, even more than optimizing your website, which used to be like a really strong way to drive traffic and conversions online, which it still is. I'm not saying you should have a terrible website. That's not what I'm saying. But if you have the option between spending $2,000 on updating your website's typeface and the copy where you feel like it could convert a little bit better to the people who get on, or you have $2,000 to spend on running ads on a really quality social media page that you've put the time into, or alternatively, hiring someone else on retainer to do it for you. Social media is king. It really is a big deal. And... Now, even more so that Google is promoting social media pages as quality content and pushing it higher on the SERPs. You want people to throw into your business and give you business and be a part of your brand? Like, you gotta, you gotta make sure your social media is looking good. Okay, anyways, that's about it for uh, this week's episode of the Social Room Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I hope it was informative for you. Um, follow the socials, and I hope to see you guys around next week. Uh, I'm going to try to take some clips out of this full podcast and try to post it on YouTube to give you guys more content, even though they're just podcast clips. But uh, anyways, thank you for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week. See you later.